get your Bibles open tonight. I want to get right into the word. Genesis chapter 18, if you would. I've got something exciting to share with you tonight. The Lord has put on my heart. I think I'm so thankful for fresh revelation, for new insight from the Lord. Amen. Listen, no matter how long you've been saved, you can continue to get revelation and new new insight and see a new angle from what the Lord's word says to us. And I'm excited about that this year. Amen. How many men do we have in here this tonight? Let me hear your man. Amen. This Saturday will be our first men's discipleship. I know my mom will be getting uh, together a ladies meeting. They've been battling lots of sickness, but uh, we're going to have our first men's discipleship this Saturday at 1030 at Rudy's. So please come and join us this Saturday. Bring your notebooks and your Bibles. And then don't forget next Friday, not this Friday, but the following Friday, which is the 17th, right, Miss Betty? The prayer meeting. We're going to have our first prayer meeting of the year, and we're going to kick this year off and pray over this year, amen, and pray over uh, lots of things, amen. We're going to let the Holy Spirit break out. It'll be at 9 o'clock. Come um, ready to spend some time in the prayer to get on your face before the Lord. I thank God that we have people in the church that intercede. We have a team of intercessors that when you have an issue, when something happens, um, not that everybody doesn't pray, but they have specifically have a call and an anointing and a desire to, to do that. And we, we send out a text to 12 or 13 people, and uh, they begin to pray right there where they're at. And so thank God for that. Amen? I mean, no, that's important. And I'm kind of going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, but let's, let's uh, open up your hearts tonight and your spirits because this is uh, something that's got me excited. I, I'm always excited about the word, but when I read something and then the Lord shows me something new, it's extra exciting. And uh, I want to start off, I want to read a few, we're going to read uh, quite a few verses tonight, but I want you to look at this story with me in the book of Genesis. I've been he hearing good things um, from you guys. I've been hearing people say they've bought one-year Bibles, they've bought devotionals, and I'm, I can tell you guys are, are trying to get that word in you every morning and spend time in prayer, and I bet you can feel the difference when you do that. And no one said amen, so maybe you're not. <laughs> Verse 1, Genesis chapter 18. The, then the Lord appeared to him by the... And I, already, I had that word practiced, and now I didn't practice it again. Someone go ahead and shoot at it. Huh? Y'all with me in Genesis 18? Yeah, chapter 18, verse 1. Thank you. Terebinth, that works for me. Trees of Mamre. As he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes, this is Abraham, and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts and after that, you may pass by, and as much as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. 
And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf and gave it to a young man and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age. And Sarah passed the age, had passed the age of childbearing. And therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure in my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? saying, surely I bear a child, since I, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? And Jesus, sorry, the Lord says, is anything too hard for the Lord? We sang that song tonight, nothing's impossible, amen? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Now, none of that right there has to do with where I'm going yet, so don't try to think, don't try to guess where we're going yet. But I want to give you a little insight right there in those first few verses, because there's something very important. We're going to get into a second what the Lord's put on my heart tonight in a few verses. But I want you to see something very, very important in these first few verses of chapter 18. How many noticed, this might feel like school for a second, when we began to read that, Abraham is sitting at the door of the tent in the heat of the day, and the Bible says three men stood before him. Three men were standing by him. And Abraham, as he saw these three men, he did something every single one of us needs to learn to do, recognize the Lord. Because those three men that were standing before him were not all men. One of them was Jesus. And he did not say, if you'll go back just for a second to verse 3. He, says, he didn't say, gentlemen, if I have found favor in your sight. He said, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by on your servant. Pastor read at the offering that prayer of Jabez, where he's saying, enlarge my territory. We saw Jacob in the Bible wrestle with God. There's a tenacity in a believer that we should have that understands who we are in Jesus Christ and understands what we can have and understands the promises of God. And Abraham was able to recognize in these three men that two of them were, were normal or angels even, but that one of them was different. And if we're really going to see God move in our lives, we need to learn to recognize the Lord in situations. Amen. Amen. So he begins to serve. As he recognizes that one of them is the Lord, I'm not saying necessarily that because one was Jesus that he served them any different. He might have been a servant anyways because a servant is a servant and a servant's heart is a servant's heart. But he recognized Jesus and he began to serve them. When you begin to serve God, church, God begins to open up doors that no man can open up. 
When you begin to say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done, God begins to bless you. God begins to honor you. If you want to see a move of God in your life and you want to see the favor of God in your life, you need to begin to get a servant's heart. This man said, I'm not going to let the blessing of God go by me tonight. I'm not going to let God just walk in. I'm not just going to say hi to him. And here's something very important. Listen carefully, and I'm still not getting to where I'm going yet. This is something the Lord's given me even now. If you're needing a blessing tonight, if you're needing a miracle tonight, look towards the will of God and what he needs first and meet his needs first, meet his kingdom first, meet his righteousness first, and then just like we talked about Sunday, he'll come and take care of everything that you need. I don't know if you're noticing in these chapters before 18, Abraham and Sarah are needing a child. And they've been promised by God they'd have a child. But they're not having any luck. They're not having any favor. They're not getting the child that they want. And if you notice that when God, sorry, Abraham recognizes God, he does not go to God and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Have you brought me good news? He didn't say, hey, uh, can you help me out? He did not begin to look for his needs, but he began to serve God first. And because he served God, we know the rest of the story later, and we know what happens after this. Look at this. I don't know if you caught that, but as you're reading these verses, and he, he serves, and he gives them food, and Sarah goes and, and takes care of it, and the guy goes and prepares the calf. Because of that servanthood spirit, he gave him a word. I'll be back here next year, he said, and when I come back, Sarah's going to have a kid. That promise that I've given to you, I'm going to have it to you. But how many understand tonight that if it's possible, it's very possible that if Abraham would not have recognized the Lord, the Lord might have passed him by. He would have missed out on his blessing and he would have missed out on what God was going to do in his life, but he recognized this is my opportunity and this is my moment. God is looking for you to be so in love with God and not so wrapped up in this world that when he comes to visit you, to spend some time with you, we're not too busy for the Lord. We need to be ready at all times to entertain the Lord. Hebrews say that we, we entertain angels without knowing it. We need to be conscious every day in our busy lives that Jesus could come visit me today. Jesus could walk by today. Am I going to miss him? Abraham didn't miss him. It was the heat of the day. He's probably sweating. He's probably frustrated. But man, at any moment and any time, he said, this is, this is a, there's, something, there's something about this moment. This is, as the Bible would say, a Kairos moment. Amen? Now all that was free. That was just a lay-in to what I want to show you tonight. I want you to ask yourself this question, do I really matter? Take that, write that down in your notes. Do I really matter? I want you to ask yourself that, do I really matter? As we continue to read, watch what God does here. Abraham has a spirit we all need and should be all be looking for. It's a servant spirit. It's a humble spirit. It's a spirit that's after what God wants and not what I want. And as he begins to serve the Lord, God brings him this awesome news. God shows how intimate he is by saying, Sarah, you laughed. And she said, no, I didn't. He said, yeah, you did. <laughs> Amen. He knows every little thing about us, church. Can you please remember that? Good and bad. Look at that in a good angle, look at it in a bad angle. He knows everything about us. 
God wants us to be intimate with him. Intimate. He wants us to have a personal relationship with him. Amen? Not religion, but relationship. Watch what's going to happen here. Am I really important? Verse 16. The men rose from there and looked toward Sodom. Now, just to throw something in there that's important later, don't look at it for now. So you know that was Jesus. It says the men rose, looked toward Sodom, and on in 19, you see that two men go to Sodom, not three. The Lord was there, and the Lord left. So two men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And then you see the Lord mentioned here, and the Lord said, now in your Bible, you, if you've got a, the word Lord there, you're going to see it's in capital letters. Okay, that's not a person, that's God. He says, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command the children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord. Now I want you to pay attention to this verse I'm reading right here. That they would do righteousness and justice. That the Lord would bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. I'm going to read 19 again. Look at your Bibles. Get your pens out. Under words, he says, for I have known him. This is important because we already know God knows us. He's all-knowing. But when God mentions in his word that he knows us like he is here, that means that there's been a relationship built. Are you following me? This is not just that I know about you. He says, for I have known him. You need to ask yourself, does God know me? Do I? And not because he's not powerful enough to know you. Do you spend time with him in a way that you have a relationship with him and he knows you? Because God follows, watch this, God follows righteousness, goodness. He, he follows a heart that is after his. I'm not talking about love. I'm not talking about that he doesn't love the whole world. He loves the sinner. He loves everybody. But I'm talking about somebody being so in tune with God and so in love with God that God would say, I have known him. Watch this. In order that he may command his children and his household after him. Do I really matter, you ask? Do I, am I really important? Do, am I doing anything that really matters? Well, God, Abraham was doing something so powerful that God said, I know that if I choose you, you're going to command your children and your household after me. And watch this, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. He's basically saying, how many know God's never going to ask somebody to do something that he can't already know he trusts? Amen. He already knows. He doesn't go, well, I'm going to try to use Jose and, and hopefully he works out. He asked Jose to do something. He asked me to do something. Asked you to do something that he knows you're going to do, not in your own power, but because he knows you're going to trust him all the way to the end. 
And he knows that he can trust you and your relationship with him because he's been watching some of the little things that you've been doing. He's been watching the time you've been spending with the Lord. He's been watching the time you've been opening up your Bible when nobody's looking around. He's been watching your relationship with him. Amen? He's been watching that carefully. Don't lose me here. Follow me. Verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Now, do you think God didn't know what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? He knew. He's not saying that because he needs to come down from heaven and check it out. He's saying that because he's a just God who's going to give an opportunity to, to, to see the things clearly right before him and let other people see them as well. So the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. Watch this. Abraham came near and said, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, before I read any more tonight, how many know Without a shadow of a doubt, we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah times. We're in bad times. We're in the, what the Bible says, perilous times. We're in a time where, where people are, are going crazy and they're doing crazy things and they're, they're not living. And I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the world. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's, it's twisted. It's, it's publicized. It's f- made famous when something horrible is done. It's turned away from. It's not looked at the same way it was, but it's no different at the same time than Genesis. Sin has always been sin. And so he says, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? You begin to think tonight about the judgment that's coming upon this world one of these days, sooner than later. There's going to come a judgment upon this world, not upon, thank God, the church. But there's going to come a righteous judgment upon this world. And this world will give an answer to how they've lived. This world will give an answer to how they've mocked God. This world will give an answer to how they've turned away from God. But he says, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Do you know what Abraham is doing right here? He's not questioning God. He's interceding for his people. He's a man who says, God, I know you're going to Sodom and Gomorrah and I have a family member there named Lot. And I know that Sodom and Gomorrah is bad and I know you're a, a, a God of your word and if you say you're going to destroy it, you're going to destroy it. But I don't want Lot to die. I don't want my sister-in-law to die. I want, I want, I want, I want to see if I can step in and with this relationship that I've got with the Lord, maybe I can change his mind maybe I can do something see when we look at this world and we see how bad it is it's real easy to say I can't do anything to change this world who am I am I important can I really do something to make a difference really 7 billion people can I do something me you're asking that question all the time and the devil's in your ear telling you no. And he's putting the question in your ear. 
Why do we pray? Why do we even try? This world's so lost. You look at your family members, you look at your friends, you look at your coworkers, you say there's no way. They're never going to change. They're lost. How can I make a difference? That's the question we ask. Can I make a difference? Am I really important? How many would agree with me that that's the question we ask? It's human beings. I'm not talking about self-worth tonight. I'm talking about in the spiritual world. Can I really make a difference? I told you a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching that a friend had sent me a video about church planting. I told you about that. To share it again, this is important. And when I got that video, it was amazing what this church had done. They had had a vision to plant 10 churches in 10 years. And instead of planting 10 churches in 10 years, they planted 40. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. But then I said, wow, what have I done for God? It can be humbling when you see somebody else doing something great for God. You may be looking around and saying, man, I see this person and that person doing this and that. What am I doing for God? Have I ever done anything for God? Am I important? Why are y'all so quiet? This is, this is not, you, I promise you by the time we get done, you're not going to be so serious. You're going to be happy. Because this is going to make you happy. Who am I? Will you, will you kill the, the just with the right, with the wicked, God? You say, oh, this is Abraham, though. No. Watch this. He said, he asked a question to God. You've heard this story, many of you. God, suppose, verse 24, there were 50 righteous people within that city. Would you also destroy that place and not spare it for the 50 righteous people that were in that city? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about, man, all these bad things that are going on in the world today, but at the same time you think, why, why do the just have to lose, you know, be punished with the unjust? Is it really fair that, that good people have to suffer? And that's the age-old question is, why do bad things happen to good people? He says, would you kill, would you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if you could find 50 righteous people in that city? And watch this, verse 25. He goes on a little bit further. He's, he's, he's talking to God in a way that shows relationship. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should not be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Some of y'all would say, man, you're crazy, Abraham, talking to God like that. But God says, no, I want you to talk to me like that because we have a relationship. If you're afraid to talk to God like that, you need to work on your relationship with God. He doesn't love Abraham any more than he loves you. And he begins to intercede in a way where he begins to ask God this question and watch what God answers in verse 26. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I will spare it all for their sakes. 50 people. That's not that many. I don't know how big, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I could find out, I don't know how big Sodom is. I'm sure it was pretty big because you got Sodom and Gomorrah, be like Dallas, Fort Worth, it was two cities. Two places. It was actually a place. So a lot of people there. He says, for 50 people, I'll save it. And look what he says. 
Then Abraham answered, Indeed now, verse 27, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. He, I think for a second there he's going, did I just say that? Did I really just talk to God like that? And did he really just answer me the way I wanted to hear? But see, Abraham knew there wasn't 50 righteous people in that city. He was shooting high. You got to start high and then go down. Amen. Then he says, suppose God, there were five less than the 50 we just talked about. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? So he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. Read on with me. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should only be 40 there. He says, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Uh, Lord, don't get mad, but what if there was only 30? I will not do it for 30. Is anybody even seeing what, what Abraham is doing? He's interceding for, his, for these people. He's talking to the God Almighty and he's showing the merciful spirit of God. We think that God just gonna, he just wants to hurt people and he just wants to kill people and he just, not we, but a lot of people. He's just bad and he's just judgment and he, no, he's not. He doesn't want anybody to perish. And now he's getting a little more boldness, but at the same time, he's becoming more humble and scared and says, indeed now, verse 31, I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose just 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, again, Lord, don't be angry. I'm just going to speak one more time. Suppose 10 would be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. That's some good bargain right there. And then it goes on to finish. The Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. Now, first, before I close with the thought I want you to get tonight is the thing I want you to understand is we live in a nation today that we look at it and we, we're so upset and frustrated and rightfully so in the wickedness that we've allowed into our country. I mean, no, we should be that way as believers. But the good news is, before I finish with the point, the good news is we live in a nation that if tonight was the night for the United States to be destroyed for 50 righteous people, we would not be destroyed. Can you say amen? Because there's more than 50 righteous people in this country. I believe there's more than 50 righteous people in this church. And we would not be destroyed because of what God is looking for. Yes, our nation is falling apart. Yes, our nation is in bad, bad shape. But I tell you what, as we found out in these last few months, we've got more righteous people in this nation than we're getting credit for. Good things don't go on the news. There's a whole lot of believers that are standing up for their faith and, the, and a lot of things are getting thrown back in the devil's face and the devil doesn't know what to do. I promise he's planning his next onslaught right now, but we have, thank God, I want to look at the glass half full, amen? We have seen the church of Jesus Christ stand up and put some of these people back where they belong. Amen, I want you to understand that. I don't, I don't want it to be all doom and gloom because there is a lot of doom and gloom, but the good thing is, is God's got some righteous people. 
And you and I are them tonight. But here's what I want you to see as we close with just a few verses. This is the thing that God showed to me that gives me so much joy tonight. As I went back to that story where I said, oh God, what have we done? What have, you know, compared to planting 40 churches, we haven't planted one out of this one yet. And all these things you can say in your own life personally to say, man, what have I done for God? What do I matter? Am I important? I got to answer for you. Yes, you are. And this chapter right here shows it. Because I want you to think about this thought as he begins to pray. Because a lot of times you, you might just come here. You're not in leadership. You're not in front. You might feel like I'm just a, another member. As many people around the world might feel that you might feel that way. No matter who you are. But you just feel like I am not important. I, what, am I really making a difference by my life? That's the question we ask. I want you to understand by this story how much it is important for you to understand and me to understand how much I count. Look at the person next to you and say, you count. Big time. You count big time. Because I want you to, I want us to put this congregation right here, this amount of people that's here tonight, I want you to put, I want us to put ourselves in this situation of this story, and I want you to realize how important one person is. One person. I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to wipe it out, and we know that he did. We know that we already know the history. Let's go back to that moment. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to take it off the face of the earth with fire and brimstone. But Abraham stands up and says, God, please don't do it. God, will you spare that city if 50 righteous people are found? Yes, I will. 40, yes, I will. 30, yes, I will. 20, yes, I will. 10, yes, I will. Watch this. We know that it was not spared. That he, 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 did he lie? No. He couldn't find 10 righteous people in that city. But what if we'd have been there and they just needed one to make 10? What if Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for nine people? Listen to me. You, one person. We always think one doesn't matter. What can one person do? If in that situation, church, one of us would have been righteous, we'd have saved Sodom and Gomorrah. One person. And we need to understand tonight that we will never see the grand scheme of the hugeness of God's universe and his plan in the way that he wants us to see it because we're carnal and we're human and we can't do it because we, we, we fight the flesh and we don't have the faith to see what God wants us to see. But I want you to see tonight that you, one person, are standing in the gap for somebody and something and a move of God. And because you've chosen to say, I love God with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul and all my strength you are withholding the wrath of God for something in your life you are withholding the wrath of God for your family you're withholding the wrath of God in this country could it be possible tonight that the wrath of God should have already fallen and we say oh it's bad it's bad it's bad but could it be that it hasn't fallen because there is people who are there are people who are righteous 
and have said, I'm going to stand and I'm going to do my part and I'm going to hold back the gates of hell and I'm going to go and face the gates of hell by myself with a water gun if I have to. Amen. I'm going to charge the gates of hell with the spirit of God and a righteousness and a love for the Lord whether anybody else does or not. I can say I'm doing my part. I don't know until I get to heaven what I've done. But if there had been one more righteous person, I don't know what the number was. Maybe there wasn't any. We know Lot was. We know he left, but there wasn't too many more than him and his wife. And even his wife turned to salt as she looked back. But you might say, do I really matter? Yes, you do. But what's the key? Righteousness. Being righteous. If you just write a couple verses down to close. I want you to look at these verses tonight and take them with you and I want you to work on this. Now this isn't a, this isn't a verse for your salvation. We know that. This is not to be saved because our righteousness in God's eyes is, is the cross, is Christ in the blood. But God asks us to walk righteous. He said, if I find 50 righteous with the wicked, I will not destroy it. So you say, well, what is righteous? What is the act of righteousness? Not again for salvation, but what kind of walk does God expect me to have? So that I would be considered righteous tonight if he was going to destroy Denton, Texas. What would I need to be doing? What would my life need to be so that I could be considered one of those 50 that might save this country, might save this city? Micah 6.8. Don't look at it for time because it'll take you a while to find it. I'll read it. Micah 6.8. I will show you, he says, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. How many know God's pretty straightforward about what he wants? He says, I'll show you what's good. You're asking, what's righteous? Let me show you, he says. I'll show you what I require of you. And he says, namely, to do right. To do right. What is righteousness? What is it to be righteous? It's to do right. Come on, somebody help me out here. Do what's right. Well, I don't always know. Yeah, you do. We know what's right. We do know. And he says, <clears throat> to have pleasure, this is Micah 6, 8, in loving kindness. To have pleasure in loving kindness. To be lowly, that's humble, and to walk with God. What do you believe we can do those things I just read? We can do what's right. Amen? We can love being kind. That means we choose to be loving. We choose to be nice. We choose to love other people. That's a choice. Oh, God, help me love people. You can ask him for that, but you're going to, at the end of the day, have to choose to be nice. What do you tell your kids? Be nice. Hello. Y'all here still? You never told your kids that? Be nice to each other. Why do we ask our kids to be nice and God can't ask us to be nice? He says, be nice. Be right. Do good. Love kindness. Be humble. And walk with me, he says. That's what I require of you. That's what righteous is. If there'd have been 50 people like that in Sodom and Gomorrah, it wouldn't have been destroyed. Well, 10, actually. Matthew 22, 36, New Testament. Master, what's the chief rule in the law? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Watch this. That's the first greatest rule, he says. 
Love the Lord your God with all. How many know Abraham loved God with all his heart, all his soul, and all his mind? He recognized God. He says, this is the first and greatest rule. And the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Am I righteous? I don't know. Do you love your neighbor like yourself? Probably not all the time, but do you work on it? Are you always going to be loving? Probably not all the time, but are you working on it? Are you, are you, oh, you mean you're trying to put works with salvation? Well, James says, faith without works is dead. Can't tell you, God, you love them all you want, but you need to be working on being righteous. Amen. So we can be in that place of good standing with God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me give you two more verses tonight so we can, we can try to walk in God's righteousness. Proverbs 13, 5. The righteous, you ask, what's righteous? The righteous hate lying. It means they don't like to lie. It doesn't mean they don't ever lie because we all lie. We all twist the truth. We all say things we don't mean, but they don't like to lie. They hate lying. Something they don't like to do. But the wicked act disgustingly and disgracefully. Righteousness guards people of integrity, but wickedness undermines the sinner. Do you guard integrity? Do you walk? Do you look every day of trying to do right to your neighbor, to yourself, in your workplace, at school, everywhere you go? In verse 20, sorry, Psalms 20, 37, 30, says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just the instruction of God is in his heart and his steps do not falter how many know it's a choice to be right with God all these things that have been happening has been people making a choice am I going to go with everybody else am I going to go with what's popular am I going to go with the crowd Or am I going to stand up for what? What are we talking about when it comes down to these issues we've been talking about? What is it? It's standing up for what's right. Not what's popular. It's being the kind of person, and listen, you may say, I'll never be ready. I'll never amount to that. I'll never do that. If if that's your attitude, you need to change that first of all. You need to know that, yeah, you're not, but you can ask God to help you. And if your heart says, I'll never do that, sometimes there can be some humility in that, but there can also be an excuse. Try to get away with what you can get away with. And that's not what God's looking for. But God is looking not for perfection, but he's looking for intent. He's looking for somebody who truly loves him and wants to do right. Not always will because we're human. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. But he's looking at the heart of a person who's trying their very best in every situation and every opportunity to do right. And when right has not been done, you fix it. You make wrong right. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. It's 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 a walk, the Bible says right there in Proverbs. It's a walk. As the musicians come tonight, I want you to think about this tonight. As you go through the rest of this year, as I'm reading this story, it might not, it might not get into you right away. I've had plenty of time to think about this. So you might be sleeping tonight and go, oh, <coughs> I got it. You might be waking up tomorrow, brushing your teeth, and oh, I do matter. I am important. Every single one of us, church, has a place that is super important. 
Now, did everybody get what I said tonight about this 50 people that went down to 10? If it had been you and you were nine, you made a difference. We think, man, if I, if I, and I've, I'm guilty of this. We're all, if I don't vote, it's no big deal. There's 300 million people in this country. What's my one vote going to do? What if one vote is what's short for right? You know what we do too many times? We sit back and we ask and wait for somebody else to do it. Kind of like I mentioned at praise and worship. I'm going to let somebody else clap their hands. I'm going to let somebody else raise their hands. I'm going to let somebody else shout. I'm going to let somebody else pray. I'm going to let somebody else do all these things. So when all this stuff just broke out, if everybody sat around and said, well, I'm going to let someone take this one off and let somebody else do it, nobody would have stood up. Nobody would have stood up and we'd still be in the same place we were. But people began to say, you know what? I'm only one person, but I'm going to try to make a difference. And one times one times one times one and it started multiplying and millions and millions and millions of people stood up and said, we're not going to stand for this anymore. I matter. One person does matter. It does. You matter tonight. Do I matter? Am I important? Yes big time numbers don't matter yes they do God wrote a whole book on it they matter numbers matter they're very very important so all I want you to get out of this tonight if you don't get anything else is that you're important that our country still has people standing up for it and we're one of them we're people in it and that you do your part tonight to intercede for this country, to stand up for what's right, to do what's right, work on walking in righteousness, and God will do great things. Amen? Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, tonight we thank you for your word.